We thank the Lord for this time of year when we can just get together and think about the wonderful gift that God has given in sending Jesus into the world to come as our Savior, to die for our sins. And so it's just a wonderful privilege that we have to meet together for just a few minutes this evening and think about the Lord's birth. I'd like to read the scriptures to you this evening from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. And this is the record of the Christmas story. And I hope none of you will be too surprised to hear that it does not begin. Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house. It, it doesn't begin like that. But what we have here is the actual historical record that was written by Luke, who was one of the companions, traveling companions of the apostles. And in Luke chapter 2, he tells us the story. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife being great with child." And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid." And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Just a moment ago, I referred somewhat flippantly to Clement Clark Moore's famous poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, or... You may know it better as the night before Christmas. Twas the night before Christmas. And I mention that poem because I think probably that is more recognizable today than what I've just read to you from the Bible, from the Gospel of Luke. Every year we complain more and more about how that people are getting away from the true meaning of Christmas. And we complain as if we ever thought that there really was a time when the majority of the world actually did understand the significance of this great event that happened nearly 2,000 years ago or in the city of Bethlehem. I believe it's probably more accurate to say that although we 
regularly celebrate Christmas, and it has been for hundreds of years, there aren't many people, there weren't then and there aren't now, who really understand the personal worth of what Jesus came into the world to do. Even though we try to maintain some of the religiosity of the holiday, and we do come and we do celebrate it, yet I think that there are few people that really understand the momentous event that happened when Jesus came. From the time that Jesus was born right to this present hour, there has been an unending cycle of human history that reflects indifference towards the birth of Christ. And I think that we see that somewhat in the passage that I just read to you. We get just a glimpse of it as it catches our eye in the seventh verse where it says, And she brought forth a firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And that notation at the end, there was no room for them in the end, that appears to be just a little insignificant detail that's attached to the end of that verse. But I think really what it gives us there is a prophetic statement of how the Lord Jesus Christ would be ignored by most of the world, that people really wouldn't understand what Christ came to do. And throughout his earthly ministry, there were, people's hearts were overcrowded towards him. There's really no place to put Jesus unless they kind of just squeezed him in to some other activities or in places where they found he was useful, like for a quick meal or a special healing from some type of disease. But most of the people, when Jesus came, were really unwilling to receive them into his heart, their heart as their Lord and their Master, as the Savior of their souls. They did not really understand that Jesus came into this world for the purpose of salvation. And I think still today we see people that put Jesus out into the barn. There is no room for him in their house or in the main house. Christ is crowded out of their lives. Even of God's own people, many times Christ is crowded out as we give very little thought towards him except on Christmas or on Easter. And even those who regularly attend church a lot of times Jesus is pushed outside of our lives we come and we see him on Sunday but he has no part of our lives for the rest of the week so I don't think that there are too many of us that even among those that call themselves Christians that could really applaud themselves because they retain some of this religiosity around Christmas when most don't we can't think that we're much better than anybody else because our religion most of the time very little separates us from the rest of the world. Pagans who don't even know what Christmas is all about. Maybe it just means to them a day off work or another Christmas party, a chance to have a few drinks and maybe even to get drunk. And so twas the night before Christmas is just as significant to most people as for unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. But you probably didn't come tonight to hear me beat on you and uh, hear a fundamental preacher berate you for your lack of consistency in considering Christ in your life at all times of the year. So I'm going to give you a little bit of relief, and you're probably expecting that, because what you really want to do is you want to come and take a few minutes and contemplate how truly blessed that we are, that Jesus came into the world, that even though we don't have time for him, that he always has time for us. And even though we don't often make room for him, He did make room for us, and that's because we are the objects of his love. So let's take a few minutes, if we can, just to 
think about God's love and sending his own son into the world to die for us. This is God's love at Christmas. Well, love is a very powerful emotion, the most powerful of all human emotions. Sometimes love can make you do things that you otherwise would never even think of doing. People sometimes go crazy. We talk about people that are crazy in love. They do all kinds of weird things sometimes. But love can really make you do things that you, other, you otherwise wouldn't do. A person would never think of entering into a burning building just to save their valuables. But if there's a child in there, if there's a family member in there, a man, a woman is willing to risk their life to save that child or that family member. Every Veterans Day, we have a celebration where we honor the men and women that were, have served in, and are serving in our armed forces and were so willing to uh, give their lives for our country. Generations of soldiers that were willing to die for our country. And going out on a battlefield and risking your life doing that, that's not something that anybody would normally do. Not unless there is something exceedingly stronger than self-preservation that causes us to do it. And love is that emotion that compels us to do the extraordinary. And so we're all familiar with, with the strength of human love, and I think everyone here has experienced it in some way or another, whether it's sacrificing for your spouse or sacrificing for your children or for your country. You know what I'm talking about when I say how powerful that love is. It's an emotion that pushes us beyond doing the ordinary. But when we talk about those kinds of things, that's just human love. God's love is far deeper and stronger than human love. In the Christmas story, we read about love. Joseph loved Mary. That caused him to very carefully consider his actions when he found out that Mary was pregnant. Joseph knew that the baby wasn't his, and so the only logical conclusion to come to was that Mary had been unfaithful to him. But instead of exposing her and angrily, angrily casting her out, he was determined to treat her or treat the matter discreetly and not to put her to public shame. And that kindness and that lack of haste towards Mary of doing anything rash was rewarded with the angel Gabriel appearing to him and telling him exactly what had happened. Likewise, Mary loved Joseph. She thought enough about his character that she was not even the first one to tell him what happened. She was content to let Joseph do the right thing because he, she knew that he would do justly with her, that he would believe the impossible when the angel appeared to him just as he had to her. So both of them loved God, but they could never imagine how much that God loved them. And I want to pause here for just a moment to reflect on the character of both Mary and Joseph uh, you have to believe that Mary's pregnancy was just a serious inconvenience for their plans. Both of them were subject to ridicule. Uh, people really weren't buying the virgin birth story. And even when Jesus was much older, later in the lives of Mary and Joseph, this story was still remembered and people were still saying that Jesus was the illegitimate son of Mary. Mary and Joseph had to put up with that their entire lives and yet perhaps foreseeing some of that God speaking to them they were willing participants in God's plan for the world Mary said I'm blessed she said my soul does magnify the Lord and she spoke of the mercies of God and and the favor that God had showed upon her when others might have said why do I have to endure all the contempt that goes with this 
And so we applaud Mary and Joseph for their love for God, but that does not even barely approach the love that God had for the world. Now you think about that for a moment. Human history actually centers on this act of God's love. The birth of Christ is the dividing line of time. It is the focal point. We date all the things in the history of the world relative to the time that Jesus was born. God's love is so much greater than ours because it's not reactionary. I mean, a man will rush into a burning building because the circumstances compel him to do it. A man gives his life for his country because he wants to preserve what's already there. His duty compels him to do it. But with God, there was no compelling circumstance for the incarnation. There was nothing compelling him to send Jesus into the world and to cause the death of his son. He's the one that created the circumstances. There weren't any that existed until God said, I will create man, I will allow him to make his choice, I will permit the fall, and then I will commit everything to the rescue of these fallen creatures. So God created his own reasons for the cross. Before the world ever came into existence, the first Christmas was predestined. Before the world was ever created, God had already determined that he would bring Christ into the world to save us from our sins. And so the star, the wise men, the shepherds, the inn, the manger, the swaddling clothes, all of that was in God's mind before he ever created the world. When God saved Noah in the ark, when God called Abraham, when he met Moses on Mount Sinai, when God tore the walls of Jericho down, when he introduced Ruth to Boaz, when God anointed King David, when he prophesied through Elijah and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel, all of that was because of this love that he had for the world, that he would bring his own son into it to die for us. All of those events centered in the coming of Jesus Christ. And on that night in Bethlehem, the love of God reached its zenith. Now, before it was just a promise. When Adam was in the Garden of Eden and he sinned against God, there was a promise made then that the Christ would come. And that promise was repeated down through history. And that promise reflected the unmatched love of the Father. But then that love was realized. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. In love, God gave his Son. Now, can you imagine what it must have been like in the preceding moments when the time finally arrived for Jesus to come to this earth? What was it like in heaven right when Jesus, just before he was ready to depart and come to be incarnated, to become flesh, to be born as a baby? What was the activity as that countdown began? Well, I think that there must have been a huge emotional outpouring from the angels. The angels have always been in the presence of God. They worship him day and night. They're much more apprised to the plans and purposes of God than we are. And the angels had been there through every step of redemption story, all the way from the very beginning, all the way through the Old Testament, all the way up to the time that Gabriel appeared to Mary and Joseph. The angels were apprised to all of this. When Israel was making their sacrifices. They may not have understood what all those sacrifices were about, but the angels knew. And I believe that this text provides a glimpse into heaven's activity just before that first Christmas 
Luke 2.10 says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And there suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so the angels were standing there waiting for that announcement. And perhaps uh, Michael, the archangel, was standing there holding his hands back and keeping the angels behind him and saying, not yet, not yet, not yet. And then God said, it's time. And God peeled back the unseen supernatural world and heaven opened and there are all the angels rejoicing over the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. And that was the love of God. That was the celebration of God's love for man. And so with joy, the angels celebrated the incarnation. But I also think that those angels must have been thoroughly puzzled at God's thought processes in what the incarnation would bring. The baby that was born in Bethlehem would grow into a man. The sweetness and the innocence of that baby was still in him as a man. But he was just cruelly treated by the people of this world. But he knew what would happen. The father knew what would happen. Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, For this cause came I unto this hour. And his death was really the grand purpose of the incarnation. And that is the demonstration of the father's love. How do we know that God loves us? What could offer us any more proof? I think we could think of a dozen ways, a dozen things that God could do that may have satisfied our doubts. But what God did was to go over the top. He took the step that has no superlative. God said, I will give you me. And that's what Jesus is. He is the love of the Father. So what is Christmas? It's the love of the Father. The song says how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. So God was pushed beyond all limits, but not from something that was external. God was pushed to the limits because of the love that was bursting out of his heart for mankind. And so the pain, the suffering, the cruelty, the death of Jesus Christ, he was willing to do that and he gave himself so that we could live. And a child of God, a true child of God, responds to that love. We've never been asked to match God in his giving. We've never been asked to equal him in sacrifice. But we have been asked to respond to him in love. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and here we are, the night before Christmas. And we need to show some love to God. We need to celebrate Jesus Christ, celebrate God in the precious gift of his only Son. "'For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. "'Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, "'Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace.'" goodwill toward men. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are awed by your matchless love. We think tonight, Lord, about those angels 
seeing the Son of God come to this earth to be born as a baby, perhaps not understanding everything that would happen, not even realizing the pain and the suffering that would be brought upon the one that they had worshipped in heaven. But when we think about the great sacrifice that Jesus was willing to make, that he came from heaven itself, that he came from the halls of glory, he came from the riches that he enjoyed there to come to this earth, to be born in the lowliest of places, to be put out into a barn, into a stable, into a cattle trough. He's the king of the world, resting in a rough-hewn wooden box to feed cattle. But we don't understand that kind of condescension. There's no way that we can ever picture that in our minds of what that was really like, the condescension of Jesus Christ. But that's part of the love. And we thank you for the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for your love in sending him to us. And we're also thankful now for the cross of Jesus Christ. For there he suffered and died for our sins. Lord, I pray that every person here would not just see Jesus as the little baby, but see the Savior suffering on a cross, dying for them. And they would receive that wonderful gift into their heart by trusting him as Lord and Savior. Thank you for this night we have together. We praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.